ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Hello. Uh, I guess it's good afternoon, uh, no longer good morning. Uh, thank you for joining us today. I'm Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry, and this is Liberty Lori. And you are joining us today for season two, episode 16 of Restore Freedom Weekly. Uh, today's going to be quite interesting. I should probably make sure to actually open that chat tab so I could see if you guys are commenting or asking questions. But uh, all right. So uh, hello to John joining us on YouTube and all the others joining us on the other platforms as well. We always love having you on board. Guess what, guys? Last minute this morning, I had a special guest reach out to me and oh, hey, Bill. Um, Thanks for joining us from uh, Michigan in um, the uh, the middle of nowhere, Michigan, is I guess I'll just put it that way. Um, but, uh, oh, oh, this is the first time uh, this program now is seeing LinkedIn comments right in here. So, um, all right, um, Adrienne is commenting on LinkedIn and I can't see your profile picture and I'm not able to put a face to your name. So if you wanna comment further or reach out to me um, and uh, help give me context, um, I've met about, I don't know, 50,000 people or so in the last two or three years. <laughs> so, um, but uh, anyway, I'm just, I'm struggling to put the face to the name. So please, uh, please help me uh, so I can do that and get proper context of your move to a new office. So um, hi, Jane and Sydney. Um, um, Sydney, I'm not sure what you mean by you miss uh, miss your support, if you're talking about missing my support um, or something else. But uh, I've definitely still been in the freedom fight for Michigan and the whole country uh, this whole time. Um, so I just haven't physically been present at events, but guess what? Speaking of being physically present at events, I do want to mention, uh, I'm going to try not to tear up, but, um, with my sister-in-law's passing two months ago, almost two months ago, um, very unexpectedly, uh, her celebration of life is going to be on June 4th in Muskegon. So what does that mean? It means the Henry clan is going to be driving up to Michigan um, for the beginning of June so we can attend that service. Now, we don't have a ton of time to stay uh, while we're there, but if you have an organization or group that wants to hear more about the Constitution or uh, the proper roles and functions of government and laws, etc., please reach out to us. Let us know. Hit us up at contact at restorefreedomkh.com reach out to us on um, some of our social media platforms. Uh, but let us know if you have uh, an event that you would like me to speak at while I'm up there, or quite frankly, any state along the way. If you're watching please from any of the other to the email, please. <laughs> if they go on other platforms and ask and we miss it, I would rather they email us and then we're sure we get it. 
Yes, that would be better. Um, I guess I was thinking other platforms. If you are in the chat here and and you're on other platforms, um, you know you could you could reach out to us that way. But there's no guarantee that we'll see it. So the best guarantee yeah. that we will see things is uh, through our email because that's through our own domain, our own website, etc. Uh, so anyway, restorefreedomkh.com is the website and uh, contact at restorefreedomkh.com would be that email. Um, okay, so uh, Lafayette, Indiana. I'm not even sure I'm saying that right. I think I'm mispronouncing it a little bit. But anyway, thank you for joining us on Facebook. Um, did you catch uh, Adrian just above that? You did our podcast at Corona Law from a few years ago. Um, okay, I remember that interview. I remember the conversations behind it, but um, yes. Um, okay, so thank you for giving me context, uh, Adrienne, on um, LinkedIn. I appreciate that. Um, and uh, yes, so Sydney, I'm. If you're in the in Owasso, the home of Carl Menke, then. Um, perhaps I met you that day that we tried to go down there and wait in line for hours to get my husband his first haircut during COVID. Um, but uh, at any rate, if I didn't meet you then, I might have met you um, at other times. What is this program doing? Is um, stuck. Um, Okay, yes. And actually, um, Jane, you're commenting about having me speak in Livingston County. Um, go ahead and uh, tap into the best resource available for that, aka Lori. Uh, Lori <laughs> has full access to my calendar and can put things on there and, uh, and you know, help me best uh, make sure nothing slips through the cracks. So, um, I try to do the legal side of things, and uh, Lori tries to do a lot of the logistical side of things. So right. anyway. I'd rather get more out of your legal. That, that, that's the whole reason I do this is so that we can get your legal so you, you don't have to spend your time on the other stuff that I can do. Right. So, um, the uh, yeah, so... Uh, Lori, I, or uh, um, Jane, I know that uh, I know that you know how to reach out to Lori as well. So uh, please, please do that because I would definitely be interested. Now, keep in mind, guys, too. Um, there's a wedding in our family in August, on August 13th. Actually, it's a Sunday, um, but uh, we'll be back up there in August as well. That's in the Flint area. So uh, if you have an event around that time, around August 13th, that you'd like me to speak at or to participate in or whatever please let me know. And also, I might actually have to come up in December because I think December is when our oldest is graduating from college at uh, Grand Valley State University yeah. with a uh, teaching degree. So anyway, with all that being said, thank you to all of you. Um, oh, <laughs> sorry, Jane, I'm laughing because I'm trying to talk and read your comments at the same time. And I'm like, why are you going to watch my six-year-old? Oh, watch my six like the old day. Okay, okay. All the same words, but in totally different order with a different meaning. So, um, I mean, Emma loves you. So, I mean, she did want to be uh, the new Jane Locke, right? When she was posing with her water guns recently. So, uh, anyway, anyway, but she's nine now. I can't believe how time flies. Okay, so yeah. without any further ado, um, because um, like I said, I started to say anyway, we have uh, a good amount of information for you that's just, it's, might be obvious. It might seem simple. 
Um, there actually might even be confl conflicting views on it, which I'll get into in a minute, but it's about motions, right? Motion practice in courts, because you need to know about it. You could be hit with a trumped up criminal case. Not that that ever happens to even like presidents of the United States or anything like that. But anyway, um, or wonderful constitutional attorneys or whatever, uh, famous YouTubers. Speaking of famous YouTubers, uh, we had a wonderful surprise this morning when one of our favorite YouTubers um, who has joined us before wanted to join us today because she has questions about a real life case where she wants to get some information about motions in a case. And so she wanted to join us today for the show and she will be joining us in not too long. So at any rate, we do have a special guest for you today that we couldn't even advertise ahead of time because it was a surprise to us as of this morning, but we are always glad to have her. So with that being said, um, okay. So uh, I think Lori had just put on there a question from Joe. How much does a good lawyer versus a regular lawyer impact a successful case outcome? Shouldn't a judge know the, the questions to ask for a fair trial? Number one, it's not the judge's job to ask the questions. Now, judges can, in most situations, ask sua sponte or on their own questions of either side when they're testifying um, or trying to flesh out information, especially if there's a jury involved and they want to make sure that the proper foundations are laid and information is, is fully understandable, etc. Judges can do that, but it's not the judge's job to develop a case. It is the job of the parties or their attorneys to develop a case. So yes, your entire case could fall based on having a craptastic attorney. Or if you're representing yourself and you do a bad job, your case could crumble because of that. So regardless of who is actually representing you or your interests in your case, whether it's a civil case or criminal case or what have you, you do want to make sure that you are in the know because it does boil down to are the right questions being asked is the right evidence being presented are the right kinds of cross-examination questions being uh asked uh did you file the right motions maybe you don't even have to go to trial maybe you can win during a motion now that is actually something that we need to be careful of because guess what on the other side of that okay so on the one side is hey you file a motion and you like a motion to dismiss or something else of that nature, a motion to suppress, and it leads to the, the case being dismissed, whether it's civil or criminal or whatever, right? What if you're on the other side of that? You could lose a case based on a motion. So you know, you need to know how to properly uh, respond in, in motion practice. You need to know what motions are really used for and what to look for. So we have this whole series on self-representation and we've talked about the five most common pre-trial motions. We actually will be talking about the most common uh, during trial motions or after trial motions or appeals motions, things of that nature. But today it's a little bit more simple than that. And it just occurred Can I to me. Interject. I thought um, as far as a judge being able to ask questions, wouldn't it be limited to the topic at hand? He wouldn't be able to, dig out his own specific questions on a topic if it's uh, not brought in? Does that make well, sense? Kind of. It, so basically, judges don't generally go totally off topic and start asking questions um, on their own on things that weren't 
talked about yet. They, they generally, when they're asking questions, it's to follow up or to clarify something so that, you know, the record is, is clean and it's understandable what has been presented, but it just depends on the, which case, which kind of case we're talking about, which state or which jurisdiction, which kind of court, because different judges actually have different powers when you're talking specifics, but, um, how do you like that legal answer? It's not a straight yes or no, but. <laughs> well, uh, well, no, and that was legit. I didn't know if they were like obligated to stay in certain lines when they do ask questions. It would make sense that they would only um, really get more clarity. But then that just goes to show how important it is to bring up the appropriate topic so that you get them thinking or get them questioning. Yes, and actually what you bring up is important. Let's think about it the other way. So the question was basically posed about what can a can a judge, isn't it the judge's job to ask the right questions, to know which questions to ask so that there's a fair trial? Well, let's put it this way. If neither party knows of what question to ask, they're not the ones asking the questions, right? And, and you're expecting the judge to be the one to bring up something uh, that hasn't been brought up by the parties there's going to be a due process issue, right? There could potentially be a due process issue because the most fundamental thing about due process is that you have notice and opportunity to be heard. Now, if neither side has brought up a certain issue or line, lines of questioning or anything, you know, an issue in, in their motions or in their complaint or, you know, um, in, in laying out their opening arguments at the beginning of a trial, if neither side has touched on a certain topic and yet the judge is like, oh, well, this case really needs, you know, we really need to, you know, find out about more about this. Both sides could actually be deprived of due process because if there's no notice ahead of time and no opportunity to be heard on that, what if they want to file an objection? What if they want to say, your honor, that line of questioning would be prejudicial to my case. It has nothing to do with anything. You're just going to taint the minds of the jurors. There could be all sorts of reasons why you don't want the judge to be the one introducing new topics or asking certain questions. So um, Stairs at Plants uh, from the UP in Michigan is asking where or what is the line where a judge practices from the bench? Um, and essentially, that's kind of what I was talking about, I guess, maybe, which is why Lori put that uh, that statement on there. Oh, and it looks like our special guest is uh is with us already so let me do this um let me see feel free to kick me and pull her <laughs> how hard do you want me to kick you Lori? <laughs> as hard as you want just get me out of here no I'm i kidding. do have very cushy flip-flops on so it shouldn't hurt too bad um so okay so i'm gonna throw you in the background here um all right all right, this is our special guest, everyone. I didn't tell you who it was yet um, or what she was going to be asking us, but quite frankly, my mind is on so many different things going on today. I don't even remember the specific topic you said you wanted to ask me about. So let me just move something here. Okay, good. So um, I haven't really started too much on the kinds of things that we're going to be talking about today because I was answering other people's questions. Um, but why don't we do this? What is... Uh, first of all, everybody, in case you can't see if you're listening to this, the special guest that has joined us today is none other than Acura Amanda. She is uh, our famous YouTuber friend that we were mentioning earlier. 
and um, a big fighter for freedom. She's down here. It's is it Palm Beach or West Palm Beach County? I forget which what the name of it is. Um, so she's not that far from me. Um, although we're working on getting her closer to Ormond Beach, um, definitely within Volusia County, because we got so many awesome freedom fighters up here. We just need to all coalesce and come together and, and really pack a punch. But at any rate, she's still in Florida nonetheless. And uh, uh, so um, in case any of you are missing context, check out some prior episodes uh, where we were interviewing her, um, but also go to her own channel because... Um, uh, we've had some back and forth basically on both of our channels, and she has also put more information about um, her situation on, as well. So, all right. Um, hi. How are you doing today? Hey, Catherine. How are you today? I'm trying to figure out, is that a, that is a cool, I don't know, there's like a teal and tan colored something, and those are my two favorite okay. colors. So I'm just totally checking out the background there. I just, oh, fish and everything. I love it. I just okay. I painted this um, a couple of months ago. Um, I did the background in an accent wall and the rest of the room is like um, just um, a neutral color. I love playing around with neutral colors. I love to paint. And um, I previously owned a painting company, so I used to just get down and dirty. But um, I'm still, you know, doing the work. And um, I don't know. I like to play around with uh, colors and stuff, but... It's um, oh, well, yeah. speaking of painting, now I know which friend to call when we're <laughs> at that stage of our house because we got all kinds of crazy ideas that I want to do. So anyway, um, well, uh, can you help me remember what um, are we talking about the um, see, there I go with names again. Is it Palm Beach Free Press? Is that is that the right name? No. Uh, yes, that's uh, my boyfriend, Evan. Um, so. This is kind oh, of- I can just say Evan? Oh, that's yeah. so much easier. Thank God. I wanted to pick your brain, Catherine, um, because this is where I fall short. It's a gray area for me. And I wanted to pick your brain on the Florida Rules of Criminal Procedures, specifically under Rule 3.190. I know that there's so many different subsections, but I want to shy away from the C4 motion. And that's the motion for dismissal. You're not disputing any material facts of that nature. It's just a matter of law. But what if, I'm going to throw this scenario out, what if one's due process rights were violated? Let's say, for example, you were not properly arraigned. Can somebody file a motion for dismissal, not as a C4 motion, but as a motion for dismissal based on misconduct of the prosecutor or the judicial system in general? So, okay, that's a good question. So the biggest thing to keep in mind is that um, there's two kinds of dismissals, which I know you know, but other people probably don't know. So when you have a case dismissed, now this is criminal or civil, when you have a case dismissed, it's either going to be dismissed um, with prejudice or without prejudice. If it's dismissed with prejudice, that means the case cannot ever be filed again. If it's dismissed without prejudice, that means uh, whoever's on the other side can simply refile it at any point in time. Um, they just have to start all over. So in a criminal case, you obviously are looking for uh, the case to, to be dismissed with prejudice so that you don't ever have to go through anything again. 
Now, if in certain instances, there's all kinds of errors that happen that um, happen through the prosecutor, that happen through just court procedure that are, you know, maybe attributable to a judge and different kinds of errors result in different things. So um, one thing you could do or one kind of error would be something that's so egregious, like the court doesn't have jurisdiction. For example, uh, in my Allegan County case, the court did not have subject matter jurisdiction because um, <laughs> a multitude of reasons, but let's just pick one of them. Um, the prosecutor was saying it was trespass, criminal trespass by a car. That's not a thing. Literally, it, a car doesn't have criminal intent. And if, even if it did, it would be, you know, towing is what you could possibly do, but you can't violently arrest the person who owns the car. So anyway, there was no subject matter jurisdiction. I was asking for a dismissal with prejudice, um, meaning they could never file it again because the court didn't have the right to hear that kind of a case. And it took almost two years, but I finally got that dismissal with prejudice. Now, in um, there's other situations, and, and I'll just pick on that Allegan case because it's easy. There were so many different things that they did that violated my rights. For example, they didn't serve me. Um, they didn't start the case with the proper paperwork. Then they fraudulently amended the paperwork and didn't serve me with that amended paperwork. Um, all kinds of things. So they started it as a civil infraction, wrote me a ticket as a civil infraction, ended up changing the ticket afterwards, filing it as a, as a criminal case and never served me with a criminal case. Really absurd stuff. The problem is those are the kinds of things that even if I got a dismissal, it would have been a dismissal without prejudice because it's the kind of thing that they could have simply, the court would have said, well, even if we dismiss it, there's no reason why they can't simply amend it properly and refile it and reserve you and start all over again. So really you're back at square one. Um, that's just a lot of work for you. If the end result is they're gonna just come after you again. Um, so really what you're looking for are some of the bigger ticket items. Um, I don't have them all off the top of my head, but where it's it's such a, a huge error that it results in a totally different, but could result in a totally different outcome of the trial. So for example, if uh, I think you said the example was um, if you weren't properly given an arraignment. Um, so if it's based on, is this based on, a, you know, when a prosecutor went in and basically entered the plea of not guilty on behalf of, of him? Um, uh so that, so I wanted to bark up the tree with my case, a little update for your viewers. The state attorney's office uh, seen the video from another deputy's in-car camera and learned that this deputy who falsely arrested me totally lied on his probable cause affidavit um, and they immediately dismissed my case against me. And... The problem that I had, and this is a problem that's going on, I, me and Evan are not the only two people that have brought this up. There is other attorneys and other individuals that are saying there's um, paperwork filed with the Palm Beach County clerk that the court reporter clock was on at gun club. The clerk was there and the judge was on the bench. In my case and others' cases, and I have video evidence of this, the arraignment judge was never on the bench. The courtroom clock was not in session. The transcripts are not there. The video is not there from the court. 
but they're claiming that these people are being arraigned. And it's, how does that work? How is this happening in Palm Beach County to so many people? I, I don't understand it. So that's definitely something that's a deprivation of due process. And there are issues that stem from that. But as far as answering your context of using that as grounds for um, a dismissal, it's not likely that it would be dismissed. And if it would be dismissed, it's one of those things that they would say, well, it's a dismissal without prejudice because it's a procedural error that it, it doesn't affect the, the final outcome of the case. Now, arraignments are supposed to be for a whole lot of reasons. So for example, um, and, and for those of you who don't know, let me just pause and say, I'm not a Florida licensed attorney. I have read, um, quite a few of the criminal statutes and court rules here in Florida and cases, et cetera, but I'm not a Florida licensed attorney. Um, but I did serve as a public defender in the state of Minnesota and in the state of Michigan. And uh, I'm, I definitely have argued these kinds of constitutional and due process issues, even in to the United States Supreme Court. So I'm no stranger to these basic concepts. Um, but at any rate, these, so saying this as somebody who's, you know, been on the public defender side, um, it's still not something, it, an arraignment is, is meant to do many things, one of which is to let you know what your rights are, to let you know what the charges are against you, to allow you to, you know, enter your own plea if you're going to plead guilty or not guilty or whatever, um, to make sure that as part of your rights, you know, you have the right to an attorney and that if one if you can't afford one, that one would be appointed for you. And some of those procedural steps, it's very much the same in almost every jurisdiction. The, the thing is, it depends on what came out of it. So for example, in my arraignment, in my Allegan County case, um, the judge asked me about, you know, something about an attorney, if I needed an attorney and I'm hard of hearing, I didn't hear much of what he was saying. I wasn't understanding where he was going with it. And I didn't catch all of his words. And I said something like, I am an attorney. And then he proceeded to say something about, you know, then you're waiving counsel and, um, you know, your, your case is moving on to the next stage, done. And then you like close the, the hearing and I'm like, what just happened? Um, and then I actually wanted standby counsel which became an issue throughout the case. So then the next judge who ended up being the trial judge literally threw out my standby counsel at my uh, next hearing, totally denied me the ability to have the assistance of counsel or therefore due process. One of those kinds of things is a huge thing that can throw out a case and, and they can't get it back, right? So even if a case had gone all the way through trial and they found me guilty, I could file raise this issue on appeal and the appellate court would have to, if they're doing the right thing, say, oh yeah, no, we're tossing this out. This is this is a no-go. So it depends on what's happening out of the arraignment. Like what are the, what is the outcome? Is the outcome something that could have changed the course of the case? So um, generally speaking, just the, out, just the um, arraignment itself, if somebody is asking, you know, if, if, if they're being denied an arraignment and a plea is getting put on in on their behalf of not guilty, then um, they're not having, they're not being denied of, of the right to 
to enter a plea of guilty because you can always go in and enter your plea of guilty, you know, later on. Um, you um, aren't necessarily by itself being denied counsel because, you know, if Evan wanted an attorney, he could go and get an attorney and have somebody represent him. Or, you know, if he needs to fill out the indigent, indigent paperwork so he can get one that's court appointed, et cetera. I mean, that process is all there. Um, I'm trying to think of all the other things that come out of that. As far as understanding the charges against him, I mean, it's a BS case and the complaint reads ridiculously, but it's, yes, he understands what the charges are against him um, and he hasn't been denied the opportunity to know what the charges themselves are. Um, so, I, you know, I'm just trying to think this through of all the different opportunities. I don't know that you would really gain any benefit based on that alone to file a request for a dismissal based on the wrong way that they're handling the um the arraignments does that is that did I, am i missing maybe part of your question uh no you answered my question up um what else did i have for you what about, uh, let's say we did, or somebody has filed a C4 motion, not um, disputing material facts, but raising uh, constitutional issues, and the judge uh, denied it, but didn't give an explanation in writing to why, how could one get a motion for rehearing, or is that possible? Generally speaking, and this is something that will vary between civil and criminal cases and from one jurisdiction to the other. And so this one I don't have memorized on the top of my head. But generally speaking, if you want the trial court judge to have to reconsider um, a motion or do a, a rehearing or something like that, it's a very short time period. So I want to say, for example, in Michigan, it's 20 days, 20 or 21 days after um, a, a a judge has issued an order on a case that you have to file a motion for reconsideration uh, or rehearing. Um, you know, I don't know off the top of my head what Florida's rules are about that, but it's a very, um, it's just not as common, but one option that you have, if a judge is doing something that is, um, you know, they've issued an order that's not final, it's a temporary kind of order, so, for example, granting a motion to dismiss because there's constitutional issues, that would be a final order. But denying an order to dismiss means the case is still pending, so it's not a final order. You could still file an appeal. You could file it as an interlocutory appeal. That means your appeal starts before the case finishes going to trial. That's one thing you might want to consider. Otherwise, you could continue to raise the objections and to cover your bases with that um, and then just wait to file an appeal if that becomes necessary after the case goes through trial and there's a verdict. Um, so as far as getting the judge to reconsider, um, did he file motion a paper motion about the constitutional issues or was it something he brought up at just in open court? Uh, no, it was and filed as a priority clerk of courts. It was given a date to be heard, and it was denied. I did the same thing. Mine was denied as well, and 
Um, I'm reading the chat over here and the Liberty cause brought something up that I'm finding intriguing file an amended motion to dismiss. Could you shed some light on uh, this comment, Catherine? So um, your original motion, was it actually a motion to dismiss based on constitutional issues? Yes, or a C4 motion. Um, okay, and so C4, see in, in Michigan, C4 is, um, it's different. I think the one that you're talking about is called a C10 motion in Michigan, but so you're talking about where there's, you're saying there's no genuine issue of any material facts, but as a matter of law, the moving party is entitled to a judgment. Is that? Yes. Um, I do. Let me try to grab the book real quick. Hold on. You walk over here. Da, 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 da. So let's see what I got here. Oh, I think this is it. Yep. This is it right here. It's not the, the uh, latest version, but. It'll be close enough to get it's the main point. Enough. Let me see if I could turn the camera around. Hold on. Uh, video settings. Hello. Oh, gosh, I'm so bad at this here. I'll do this. I'll turn it around. Let me find the page. It's under rule 3.190. Uh, it's under post-trial pre-trial motions. Uh, let's see. I should have just bookmarked it. That's and actually, guys, this is something, um, while she's looking at that, a uh, couple of weeks ago, I think we did our show on the five most common pre-trial motions. A motion to dismiss was one of them that we talked about. And we went over some of the main types um, that you file a motion to dismiss. Um, well, there were you know, there's the 10 in Michigan. They're kind of organized a little differently in Florida. But if you guys check out that uh, full episode from um, a couple weeks ago, I think it was maybe two weeks ago where we talked about those five most common pretrial motions, you'll see, I think I'm pretty sure I did the Michigan and Florida court rules on motions to dismiss. So um, now I did not cite, at least I don't remember citing the criminal uh, court rules if there is something specific there, but generally speaking, um, court rules would apply um, the same way. Your camera is <laughs> sideways. <Yeah. laughs> um, so, oh my goodness. Where is it? C4, C4. Uh, so it would be right here uh, under C4. There are no material disputed facts and the undisputed un undisputed facts do not establish a prima facie case of guilt against the defendant. So that is what I filed. Um, Evan did the same thing. And the state actually filed a traverse to his, but didn't do that to mine. But um, what we didn't catch over here, and I'm kicking myself in the arse for it, is that they did not, um, they did not swear or affirm to it or do it under oath, basically. They didn't, you know what I'm trying to say? So if we would have brought that up, the traverse would have been thrown out. Potentially, because courts don't always do what they're supposed to do. <laughs> but right. um, so basically, you know, the, the rule there, um, I would say for Evan's case, though, here's the thing. I would say there are disputed facts. There are definitely disputed facts because... Yeah. In his case, 
you know, the complaint is basically saying as a fact that he was physically interfering with an investigation, whereas, you know, he actually wasn't. He, in fact, complied with their multitude of requests to move to different areas just to keep them busy and not actually filming. Uh, and they could have just left him alone. So I think you actually, that would be a terrible one to file, but there are, um, and I, again, I don't have the, the Florida court rules um, in, right in front of me, but there are other ones based on, um, you know, a failure of a failure to state a claim upon which relief can be granted in Michigan. That's a C8 motion. Um, and that's really based on the law is in favor of um, the, um, um, you know, the defendant in that case. Um, the, uh, let's see, in, in Michigan, the C4 motion, I don't know what number it would be in Florida here, but um, that, oh, that's based on subject matter jurisdiction. So um, you could have potentially some other things there. Um, it's really just a matter of, look at it this way, no matter what motion you're bringing up, and you can always, they can't stop you from filing a motion to defend your rights. So as far as the Liberty Cause was pointing about filing an amended motion to dismiss, that's exactly what I did in my Allegan County case. I ended up filing the original motion to dismiss. Uh, we had our hearing February 4th, 2021. And um, my final motion to dismiss hearing was July 7th, 2022. So it's, you know, and I, I raised some of, some of the exact same issues and then I added more like my denials, speedy trial and all that other fun stuff. So. At any rate, and the prosecutor tried to say, oh, well, we already litigated these issues. And I'm like, but subject matter jurisdiction, you can bring up at any time. I can wave that flag 17 different ways till Sunday. And it's OK, because no court can keep proceeding without the proper jurisdiction. So at any rate, um, with his case, it just depends in any little way, you know, all the problems that you see with it. Just think, is it something that goes to how the actual outcome would be? So, for example, to pick on the arraignment example, if it's just that they did the procedure wrong and they entered a plea of not guilty on his behalf, but there's nothing that actually changes the outcome of the case um, significantly, then there's no there you would benefit not at all to file any kind of motion because it would most likely be denied. But even if it was granted, it would just be a dismissal with prejudice without prejudice, and they would just simply refile the case and you'd be back at square one. In fact. Um, I have no idea why I was thinking about this while I was shampooing my hair today, but I always get the craziest or best ideas while shampooing my hair. Uh, but today I was reminded of a case where it was actually a motion for reconsideration. Um, so basically, um, I was a public defender in Ionia County, Michigan, and um, I was representing a guy in a, a, a theft charge. And the they waited so long to file the charges against him that by the time I went, to the store and some of these other places that would potentially have security camera footage, they had long since overwritten it. I couldn't even get any footage um, to prove that he was not guilty. Um, at any rate, the prosecutor, they, they didn't comply with my discovery requests. Uh, they failed to do a whole bunch of stuff. And so the day of the here or the day of the trial, I filed um, a motion to, or I, you know, I don't remember if I filed ahead of time or if I just argued it in open court, but I argued that the case needed to be dismissed because they didn't turn over any evidence to me 
or witnesses. And so because of those two things, they would be precluded from using any, any evidence or witnesses. And because it's a criminal case, if they had no evidence and no witnesses against my client, they could not prove beyond a reasonable doubt that my client committed any kind of crime. And so the case would have to be dismissed. The judge actually granted the motion to dismiss and he did it as a motion as, as a dismissal with prejudice, meaning that my client was able to not have the charges again. Now, unfortunately, in Michigan, there's a rule on a motion for reconsideration. Uh, the person filing that motion for reconsideration, I want to I don't remember the exact time. It might even be only seven days, but they had um, they had a short amount of time. The prosecutor had a short amount of time to file. And they said, okay, we agree that there should have been, you know, some, some stuff, you know, whatever, handed over to the defense, et cetera. But in reality, this is not something that should result in a, in a dismissal with prejudice. Right. Um, it would be, it should be a dismissal without prejudice. So we can start over and get it done right the second time. And here's the thing. This is the crappiest thing about the rules. And this is what I was thinking about when I was washing my hair. I was precluded from arguing in my client's defense on that motion because on a motion for reconsideration the other side cannot file a response you're actually stopped from filing a response on a motion for reconsideration so i couldn't i think i did kind of squeeze in whatever kind of response i could but in the end the judge said oh yeah i guess i'll agree with this motion and he changed his order and he amended it so then it was a motion or a dismissal without prejudice and my client ended up having to go to trial and it was ridiculous. Um, anyway, uh, so it, it's a motion for reconsideration is, yeah, it, 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 they're, they're, they're very tricky animals to try to tame. Um, but a, an amended motion to dismiss may uh that may work for you just make sure that and anybody's listening in any case but especially for you um amanda talking about evan's case just make sure that whatever it is whatever challenge you bring it's something that means the whole case is so fundamentally flawed that he could not possibly end up with a fair result at trial that makes perfect sense uh catherine and um, the last thing I wanted to pick your brain about, it's a little bit um, out of the scope of, you know, motions in that sense. But um, what what is the likelihood of the state of Florida prosecuting or trying somebody a second time after a mistrial has been declared in a hung jury for a misdemeanor case? What's the likelihood that they would? Yeah. Um, it really depends because I mean, I don't, I don't know statistics. Um, I've never looked into that. I'm not even sure if that's something that's publicly, I guess, researched and compiled, but, um, it just, um, sorry, I've been having a really weird pain in my arm today and it is sorry. shooting pain into my arm as we speak. So <laughs> I'm trying to ignore that and answer the question. Thanks. I'm sore from, uh, doing the chicken chest at the gym. So <laughs> <laughs> Uh, mine wasn't even from working out. I have no idea what it was, but uh, uh, it's just flexing my legal muscles, I guess, is what's <laughs> the problem. Um, at any rate, the, um, um, yeah, so as far as refiling, um, anytime there's a mistrial, 
they're um, the prosecution, you know, if they're going to go and try, you know, retry a case, they need to keep in mind, they still have to, you know, comply with speedy trial and all kinds of other due process requirements. Uh, they may have issues in getting the officers to attend at necessary hearings or the trial itself. Um, the more and more hearings you have, the more and more, you know, an officer um, or officers, plural, would be, you know, have something come up where they're not going to be able to attend. And so the likelihood of just having it successfully all fit into place schedule wise is going to be more and more of an issue. Um, you know, it's just something that you, it, it can happen. And really the thing is, if I were in the prosecutor's shoes, um, I would say, well, gosh, you know, what cases do I have on my plate? If I'm so overwhelmed that I have, you know, way too many going on right now, I'm going to pick my highest priority cases, ones where it, there's um, an actual victim, where there's a violent offense, where there's, you know, restitution that would be owed uh, or something of that nature. But um, not for, I mean, he's charged, <laughs> guys, in case you don't know, he's charged with resisting, uh, with resisting arrest without violence, without violence. So, and there was no underlying charge. So, I mean, of all things, this isn't like he's alleged to, you know, perpetrate some sort of violent act on somebody. It's nothing where there'd be restitution ordered because it's not like he stole something or damaged somebody's property. He didn't make threats towards anyone. I mean, none of the key signals that there's been a victim and some sort of reparations would be due. Nothing. Nothing is there. So as far as priority, I would say his kind of case is the lowest priority, but if you end up with a prosecutor with a vendetta, let me tell you, once I started really challenging things as a public defender in Ionia County and the prosecutors uh, were like, wait, what? No, you got to do things the way I want to. Well, you can't file those motions. Well, you can't do this. And when I would call them out on their BS and put right into my motions uh, excerpts of emails where they were dragging a case out and screwing my clients over, I really started to tick them off. And so then at times it seemed like they were going to be like, well, we're just going to, you know, yeah, we're going to refile this case because I just feel like it. The guy that refiled that case against my client where there was initially the, the motion or the, um, the um, dismissal with prejudice and then turned into a dismissal without prejudice, that I'm pretty sure was personal that that attorney uh, was he, you know, personally irritated with me and he was irritated with my client and he just wanted to stick it to both of us. Mm -hmm. And so it was the most meaningless. I mean, I want to say he was charged with supposedly stealing like $4 worth of stuff. I mean, it was right. the most ridiculous thing. It's I mean, it, it becomes, it becomes personal. Like in this case I'm mentioning, there were 11 deputies at the scene an internal affairs complaint was filed four days after the incident. The day after probable cause was written and Evan gets an NTA one month later. He was never even arrested. It's just so ridiculous. Like the facts of the case, it, it seems personal. And this is not only happening here in South Florida, Catherine, but as you've seen, you're you know, your feet have been more wet with this than mine. I'm just getting my pinky toe in there that like these prosecutors, these deputies, police officers, they have a personal interest, a personal bias towards people sometimes. 
Um, I just wanted to pull up a comment. So someone here, um, Direct D says, boom, that is an immediate win. I don't know exactly what part they're referring to, but they're saying that's an immediate win. Someone contact me and I'll show you exactly how. Now, the problem with that is there is no immediate win. Let me just say this, and I, I don't really say this often because I, I don't think it's appropriate, but I'm about the best damn attorney I've ever met. I have never met an attorney that I would trust to handle one of my cases more than me. Yes, too. <laughs> so Liar. Liar. I say that because he is an attorney. Is that what you said? No, Directy is Directy is a very, very great individual. Um, he's another uh, First Amendment auditor activist um, like myself. He, okay. he does wonderful work. I believe he's actually successfully added a lying deputy onto the Brady's list. I'm, I don't want to give you guys the wrong information, but with the provisions of Maryland versus Brady, the Giglio act, um, guys, every I've, I've picked attorneys brains before. What is the Brady's list? And they're like, Oh, that's, um, that's with, um, like discovery or whatever like no there's an actual brady's list like so before we get too far off topic the reason why i bring this up is because the comment he just made the problem is there is no guaranteed win now the reason why i say i'm the best damn attorney i know is because i have been in cases in michigan and in florida and in minnesota <clears throat> that i should have won hands down i mean my allegan county case there's no way in a million years that case should have even been filed, let alone made it past arraignment, let alone that my motion to dismiss, just so you guys know, my initial motion to dismiss in my criminal case where I was beaten by three deputies and left, you know, bleeding, bruised with contusions, et cetera, um, from election day 2020, that case, when I filed my first motion to dismiss, <laughs> it, um, anyway, it, the only reason why the judge said I he wouldn't grant it is because he said, as a defendant in a misdemeanor case, I wasn't allowed to file a motion to dismiss. What? That's literally he didn't talk about the law. He didn't talk about, you know, you know, that I was wrong about the First Amendment or, you know, that I had a right to physically be present on public property open to the public during those open hours or that we had a right to, you know, circulate a petition, it's protected by the First Amendment, da, 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 da. None of that. He literally said, oh, I'm going to deny this motion because you don't have a right to file a motion to dismiss in a misdemeanor case. That is what he said. That's funny. So, I, I'm just, I, I tell you that, guys, because it's upsetting to me when people are like, oh, there's a, wherever that comment is, this. But there's, oh, there's an immediate, there's an immediate win, not just a guaranteed win. There is an immediate win. No, there's no such thing. Let's look at my case here in, you know, Volusia County. And it's a, it's a um, municipal ordinance supposed violation thing. They are literally saying they have the right to come and take my property. They can come to my house, dig up my pavers, my two shipping containers, my storage facilities on my site here in my own yard. They can rip out my privacy fence not because it's on somebody else's property, not because I'm harming anybody, not because it's unsafe or that it's blight or a nuisance or anything, which you can't even do in those situations. Anyway, they're literally saying I didn't get their permission, 
So they can just come and take it without even filing an eminent domain claim. I mean, the, the code inspector, September 2nd, illegally set foot on my property without my permission and without a warrant. It should have been an immediate dismissal. She was allowed to introduce photos that she took while illegally on my property. There's no immediate dismissal. There's no immediate win. There's no guaranteed win. There's what should happen. There's what the Constitution protects. There's what the law allows for. And then there's what judges just let get by. So I just, the reason why I touch on that, why I'm so passionate in my response to this is because don't get anyone's hopes up about some immediate bullshit. It's not going to happen immediately. You can work for it. And in a lot of cases, you should work for it. And I, and this is not me saying, oh, a non-attorney doesn't know better and, and whatever. That's not, that has nothing to do with anything. I'm just saying attorney or no attorney, you can't expect that judges are going to follow the law and do the right thing. You got to be prepared to take it to the next level and then appeal to the next level and appeal to the next level. Why? Because our system has screwed up people in positions of power that should never have been there. And it's in all levels and all branches of government. And you just got to be prepared to fight the fight long term. I mean, there's no staples easy button. That's what I always say. There is no staples easy button. If there was, I'd be pressing that damn thing all day long. And I, my arm wouldn't hurt so much from flexing my freedom fighting muscles. But at any rate, so I don't mean to get direct D. I'm not sure who you are, if I've even never met you in person or if we've ever had a conversation. My point is not to attack you. Uh, you seem like a cool person with a good heart and the right, you know, going in the right direction. My point is just to say, um, you know, the things that Amanda has tried, the things that Evan has tried, the things that they they have talked about with me in hours long conversations about different strategies, they're on target. At least from what I've seen, I haven't seen anything that they've put forth to the court that's that's off base. But judges don't always do the right thing. That's the problem. So at any rate, um, as far as the likelihood, who knows? Because at this point, I mean, it, um, here's the thing. In your case, or at least in his case, it really didn't seem like the prosecutors were personally vested, though. So that's a good thing. I oh, mean, they, I... they are, Catherine. Oh, they are now? They they have always been. Like, I, they've always been. Okay. It Like, I had to file three, not one, not two, but three motions to compel discovery, right? I'm going to give you an update, Catherine. This is crazy. So I wanted the in-car camera footage from the patrol car that I was placed into, right? Just so you guys know, we're talking about her case now, not Evan's case. but Right. One that was dismissed after the other video came out and they're like, wow, this is totally different from what is saying so i filed not one not two three motions to compel discovery because the state would not cooperate with the florida criminal rules of procedures with discovery they just wouldn't cooperate so they finally upload the in-car camera footage to evidence.com however they refused to provide me the link to this video and the day that I had to go back to court, I filed another motion to compel discovery. And the state is like, we're dismissing the case. And I'm like, so why are you dismissing the case? I, I did that this like ex parte, like all outside 
And he's like, um, 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 well, I seen the video and he walked away from me. I'm like, okay. But I went to do a public records request after the fact for this video. And they're saying that this dang record doesn't exist now. So I'm getting ready to file a writ of mandamus to get this video, Catherine. Yes. I don't know your thoughts about that are, but I, I need that video for my potential civil claim that I plan to bring forth. Yes, absolutely. And and now, because the yeah. longer they have, the more likely they're able to hide behind, oh, it was there, or there's a technical glitch, or our server went down. So yes, file something now. And a writ of mandamus is something that it should be available in almost every state in the country. But it's basically where you are asking the court to intervene and order a government agency to do something that it is their obligation to do. So if they're supposed to file, you know, approve of some sort of paperwork, or if they're supposed to provide some sort of record or whatever, generally a writ of mandamus is going to be an option for you. Just search the word mandamus in your in your court rules in your state and in your state's uh, statutes, the state laws search for that. And there's generally not a whole lot in, in the laws or court rules about it, but you'll see something in there. Uh, and I know there's certainly in the Michigan and Florida laws and court rules, um, but it's something that people don't generally file because they don't think of being able to force the government to do what it's supposed to do. But we have a specific tool for doing that. So yeah, I would do that if I were you. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to just exhaust and exercise every single right that I have. Um, we we need reform in Palm Beach County. I'm one person, but there's others like myself here that are working towards it and holding these uh, government actors because that's what they are accountable. And I, I need this record. It's definitely there. They refuse to give me the link and now it doesn't exist. So how about that? Right. I just, I had to laugh here because I didn't see when he said this or what it what was the context. I'm sure it's probably poking fun at me, but someone is getting emotional. Don't cry, double D or direct D said. So um, I assume that was <laughs> my little spiel talking about um, the judges don't always do what they're supposed to, but um, crying right now, this is such horse crap, what they're doing to people. It's so terrible. I feel like crying all the time. It, yes, it is. It's something to scream about, cry about, yeah. um, you know, laugh about because it's so insane. How could it possibly be true? Um, yes. So, um, and then I'm not sure, Curtis Baker is saying, so this lawyer hasn't jumped in appeals or the appellate court yet. I'm not sure what that context, what the question is, who if it's really for, if we're talking about attorneys and what you're talking about. Um, and then someone is um, asking if I've contacted organizations like the Institute for Justice for help. Yes, um, I believe, um, uh, Yes, I, we have. I think my husband actually did on my behalf and Lori did. I didn't physically do that. They submitted stuff that I had written, um, but I'm pretty sure they had submitted it multiple times, including recently again. Um, okay, so I don't know what this is really about, but we'll just go with it because it's too funny for people my age. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. I grew up you know, with the whole white Bronco chase and the whole, um, um, 
oh, why can't I think of what his name is? O.J. Simpson trial. And anyway, I, I have no idea what the context was for that, Joe. But uh, oh, anyway, OK, this is totally, um, totally different, uh, totally off track. But um, since the Liberty Cause is in the conversation with us, I will let you know that when I spoke at a recent freedom fighting meeting uh, last week, I think it was in Port Orange, the several people were standing up at the end and saying that I need to run for mayor of Ormond Beach. And I said, listen, I'll do whatever God's calling me to do, but I'm not running a campaign. So somebody else needs to do all that part. And especially the campaign finance down here in Florida, it's atrocious. At any rate, I said that the, the leader of this other Liberty group in the DeLand area is already trying to position me to run for sheriff. So you guys have to work it out amongst yourselves. If I'm running for something, you guys all talk and come to a consensus and, and get a committee set up. So figured I would lay that out there because I'm not starting a committee. But at any rate, um, uh, all right. So there's a lot of, um, okay. So Curtis is saying our system is broken, but direct D means immediate win for the case law. Ah! Case law doesn't exist. But in case we just mean case precedent, um, which is not law, uh, that means the judges would still a judge somewhere would still have to do the right thing immediately, which is definitely not. Well, Kat, I got to hit the good old dusty trail. So um, it was nice being on your show. And um, thank you for answering all of my questions and for just everything that you do. I, I love working with you, Catherine. Yes, uh, looks like you you got me into some procedural fight with some YouTubers. So thanks You're for welcome. that. Um, <laughs> but thanks for joining us today, and uh, let me know any updates on either case. So I will. I'll shoot you a text later. Um, bye, everybody. <laughs> bye, guys. All right. So, guys. Um, okay. Here we go. This is going to be the buckle in, right? Buckle up, whatever you want to call it. This is going to, we're going to be speeding through this like there's no tomorrow because we all got things to do. And I really want you guys to have this information. It's super important. And if you love the conversation we were just having with Acura Amanda and other people on YouTube and all these talks about, you know, filing different motions, motion for reconsideration, motion for dismissal, all these kinds of things in civil, criminal cases, et cetera you need to know what we're about to talk about. Um, it's not super complicated, but it's very important and it could literally make or break your case. So without any further ado, um, a motion has been filed in your case. Now what, okay? Um, so what, do you ex what can you expect in cases? What to expect whether you filed the motion or the other side did? And most importantly, like I just said, cases can be won or lost with motions. So you need to be prepared. Now, here's the thing, uh, it's way late in the show, but you still have time to do this. Oh, look at that, my, my phone is on silent every day for our show, but apparently not long enough um, right now because people are already blowing up my phone thinking it's one o'clock and we're done talking. So at any rate, true or false question of the week, you can check it out on youtube.com or um, telegram. So go to t.me slash restore freedom or youtube.com slash restore freedom and check out our true or false question every Tuesday. Um, and okay, 
Oh, we are going to try to figure out how to turn this thing back off. Okay, do not disturb. There we go. Okay, so true or false? In most cases, you must deny each allegation in an opposing party's motion or else you are deemed to admit each allegation that you don't specifically deny. True or false? You can answer that at any point between now and 10 o'clock tonight when we post the answer. Now, um, what happens when you have a motion, right? You have a motion, um, motion's been filed in your case. Now, what happens? Well, one party files a motion. The other party files a response, typically. And then the first party can actually file a reply, usually. Now, that's actually specifically called for in the Michigan court rules. In the Florida court rules, it doesn't seem to be that they really like to see replies. But if there's new stuff brought up, I can't see how you would have notice and opportunity to be heard on something if they're allowed to bring up new stuff and you can't respond to that. Now, again, the purpose in Michigan of a reply, you are narrowly focused. You're only allowed to address the things that the other side has brought up new. Now, a hearing is usually scheduled, okay? When you have a motion, it's supposed to be a, a motion. You serve it with a notice of hearing. Um, it's sometimes the court issues the notice of hearing. Otherwise, it's generally your job as the person filing the motion to contact the court, get a court date, and and write a motion, uh, a notice of hearing on on your motion to let the other side know when and where to go to court, so they also then know when they have to file their response. Now, in Michigan, and, and keep in mind if you are new to my channel. On Thursdays, we do a Constitution segment recap video that's 10 minutes or less. And in that video, you get full access to this slideshow. So you don't have to try to memorize or write anything down today. You'll have access to it on Thursday. Um, and I'm not going to read through this whole thing. But in Michigan and in Florida, it is um, there's a general, generally the same thing. I have the court rules cited there that basically, if you have a defense, a defense of the law or defense by facts, um, you have to assert or state what your defense is uh, when you file some sort of response of pleading. You can't just sit there silently. Now, obviously, there's an exception to that. If you are in a criminal case and you have the prosecution filing any kind of, uh, well, the complaint against you or they're filing any kind of motion, uh, you can choose to sit totally silent, never say a word, and they have to go all the way through through trial and um, prove ele every element of the offense beyond a reasonable doubt in order for you to be found guilty of any crime whatsoever. So you can choose to sit by idly and I'm just not doing anything, but is it the best in your, your interest to do that? No, I would always recommend that you fight back and you lay out all the facts and the law that is on your side at every stage along the way because why go through trial if you don't have to and certain kinds of defenses are waived if you don't bring them up right away so in fact look at that uh, any ground any defense not um, stated is deemed to be waived except when the court lacks subject matter jurisdiction, that one you could bring up at any time, even go through a whole civil or criminal trial and wait till the appeal stage and say, hey, by the way, did you know the court didn't have subject matter jurisdiction? You can bring it up then for the first time on appeal and still you should legally win. But um, 
It's not always the case as we were talking about, but that is the only one. Subject matter jurisdiction is the only one that you can bring up at any time. Now, um, what about this? This is a procedural thing that might sound boring, but it's something you need to keep in mind, both in Michigan, which you can see in rule 2.113, which does apply in civil and criminal motion practice. And for, oh, did I not? I didn't change. That can't be the same. That cannot be the same. I'm, I might have cited one of these the wrong because there's no way that's possibly the same rule. At any rate, the Florida and Michigan court rules both have, um, the text is definitely different. So at any rate, you have to have a, uh, each claim that you're making. When you file a motion, anybody files a motion, you're supposed to go in there and have separately numbered paragraphs in your motion. Now, here's the thing. In Michigan, your motion is supposed to be one thing, and then all your full legal arguments are supposed to be in a separate brief that supports your motion. That's a requirement in uh, Michigan court rules. I believe it's 2.119. However, in Florida, they said they have found there's no need for the extra document, the extra brief. Put all your legal arguments right into your motion, and it's one document called a motion, but still, in a motion in either state, and probably in yours too, if you're in another state, you have to have separately numbered paragraphs. So number one, number two, number three, and put all your facts and all your law in those numbered paragraphs. Why? Well, it makes it easier to read and be able to go through it and to be able to understand uh, what's going on. Um, and it's easier for the other side to be able to agree with it or disagree with it. Um, okay, so um, let's see. You have to put them in sequentially numbered paragraphs. Now, this is not big enough. Holy cow. And I don't know how to make this any bigger. When you see the actual slideshow, you can, um, you know, pinch zoom and make it bigger. But you'll see this is just an example document of a motion um, and how it has numbered paragraphs. Now, I did make this a little bit bigger showing you. And here's just some examples, right? So bear with me. You're going to want to hear this. Trust me. Um, so this is just an example of my motion. Now, this is nothing like, this is super simplistic. It's just kind of bits and pieces to give you an idea. But let's say my number one paragraph was, the city claims that they have the authority to enter onto the Henry's property and remove their pavers, privacy fence, and shipping containers. That's paragraph number one. Number two, pavers were already on the Henry's property prior to the purchase of their home. So only some of the pavers on the ground would be subject to the city's current action. Paragraph number three, however, no laws give them authority to enter onto the Henry's property or take any of their property. Paragraph number four, the only way the city can lawfully take any of the Henry's property is to file an eminent domain petition with the circuit court and the city has not done that. Okay, so these are just examples of things that you would put in a paragraph. I also in the next page have, you know, some more um, examples here, but let's go back to this. So Michigan court rule 2.111. C talks about um, your response, right? So every time that you have a numbered paragraph, if you file a response, you have to respond to each numbered paragraph. So paragraph number one, do you know, do you admit or deny? If the other side filed a motion, you file a response and you would say whether you admit paragraph number one or you deny it. If you say you deny it, then you have to say why. So you have to, again, state an explicit admission or denial um, or 
pleading no contest is, is kind of in certain cases. Um, at any rate, in Florida, it's the same thing. Florida Rule 1.110C, you are required to state in short and plain terms your defenses to each claim asserted, and you have to either admit or deny the averments on which the opposing party relies. So again, you'll see in the slideshow that there are two pages here and then two pages after that. So four pages total. That was the city's response to my most recent motion, my, my motion my emergency motion for relief. This is their actual response. What I gave you a moment ago, uh, that was just something I created just for the sake of this um, episode. And it's not the real motion, which you guys have already seen. Anyway, this is their real response though. And if you can see it, you'll notice there's no numbered paragraphs. The only thing they do is they break up their argument into two sections, but the paragraphs themselves are not numbered. And who knows what they're addressing now they were court ordered to respond to my motion so there is a requirement that they respond now michigan court rule 2.111 and florida court rule 1.110 c these are important what is, what are they saying each one says that the denial has to state the substance of the matters on which uh, the pleader will rely on to support the denial. Or in other words, the denial shall fairly meet the substance. You can't just say, I deny it. You have to say, I'm denying it because this, this, and this is not true. Or this, this, you know, this law doesn't apply. You have to give a reason for why you're denying it. So an example would have been, again, this is the one that says example. You'll see it in detail up close later. You can pinch zoom and all that stuff. But had the city filed a response to my motion saying, oh, well, number one, the city admits the allegations in Henry's paragraph number one. Number two, the city denies the allegations in Henry's paragraph two because the city can remove any pavers, even the ones that were on the property before the Henry's purchased it. That's just an example. That's what they would probably say had I actually brought that, um, that point up. Um, Number three, the city does not need uh, a law to give them authority to enter on to the Henry's property and take their property. Of course they do, but that's essentially what the city would say if they were going to deny the allegation for my example paragraph number three. Anyway, this is just giving you some of those examples. What would it look like if they were actually going to properly deny and give a reason for a denial or what it looks like to say, I admit the allegations in that paragraph. Now, Again, you can look at those examples later on Thursday when I give you that. But this uh, Michigan Court Rule 2.111 talks about the effect of a failure to, den to deny. So what happens when you didn't? Hold on. There's a question. A lawyer has to structure their filings in accordance with the rules. A self-represented person can file things on a napkin and an in crayon. Bullshit. Not true. Hiding that because it's not true. Every single person is deemed to know the laws and the court rules, whether you are represented by an attorney or not. I'm not represented by a Florida attorney and I'm not a Florida licensed attorney, but the court is still gonna hold me to the same rules that they would hold any other person who is represented by a Florida attorney. That's how it works. And there is reason for that because you can't just willy nilly do whatever you want to do because what if the other side is willy nilly going to do whatever they want to do? What if you have two people that are not attorneys? What just because there's no attorneys involved means it's utter chaos and there's no expectations for how a case will proceed. There's rules of procedure for a reason. And I'm going to tell you, and I knew that there would be people fighting back on this and, and people that were probably going to say, 
things like, oh, well, there's, you know, court rules are not laws. I don't have to follow them. Aha. But we do have to follow due process and uh, make sure that we are affording ourselves due process, that we get due process, but that we're also not doing things that's going to screw somebody else over on due process because what's good for the goose is good for the gander. It's only a just and fair system if due process applies to all. But I'm going to get into that in a second. So the effect of the failure to deny the court rule in Michigan and in Florida, and that's rule 1.110E in Florida and 2.111 in Michigan. Averments in a pleading to which a response of pleading is required, other than those as to the amount of damages, are admitted when not denied in a response of pleading. What does that mean? If you, if the other side files, so in this case, I filed a motion. I had numbered paragraphs. The city filed their response, as you guys can see on a couple pages ago here, uh, with no numbered paragraphs. They did not um, answer. They did not admit or deny all of my allegations. What this court rule says is because they did not specifically deny uh, allegations in my motion that they are deemed admitted. So it's as though the, the city wrote back and said, we admit paragraph number one, paragraph number two, paragraph number three, paragraph number four, because they didn't deny any of it. Therefore, it's deemed as admitted. That's huge. If a response of pleading is required, that's what the rule is in both um See, in a pleading that requires a response of pleading, says that's the Michigan court rule. Florida is uh, averments in a pleading to which a response of pleading is required. Now, why is that important? Well, think about it this way. In the in the Michigan court rules, this, this rule applies in uh, criminal cases. So if it was the... Um, um, the prosecution, if they had filed some sort of motion and I, as the defendant, um, didn't want to say anything and, and, you know, they still had the burden of proof, I could not file a, a response. I didn't have to file a response and they still have the burden of proof. So there is no response of pleading required in that context because I'm not required to file a response if they wanted to, you know, file a motion or something like that in a criminal case where I'm the defendant. But my current case is a civil case and the other side wouldn't be, you know, they're not a criminal defendant, at least in this context yet. So at any rate, um, a responsive pleading is required. If for nothing else, I, I let you guys know, the judge specifically ordered them on April 6th that they had to file a response to my emergency motion by April 20th. So there's no way around it. They clearly had to file a response. So they had to file a response. They did not specifically deny any of my numbered paragraphs. So the rule in both of these states and in many other states is that that means they are deemed to have admitted every single thing, all the laws I brought up, all the facts that they are deemed to saying, she's right about all that, but we just still think we should win. That's literally what it boils down to. Why is this so important? Again, this goes to the people that are gonna say, well, you know, court rules are for attorneys. I don't have to follow court rule because I'm not an attorney and those don't apply to me and they're not laws. Think about it this way. We have due process, right? Due process. No one is to be denied uh, 
or deprived life, liberty, or property without due process of law guaranteed by the Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. No state can deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law in the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. And of course, every state constitution has a due process element as well. In Florida, it's Article 1, Section 9. In Michigan, it is Article 1, Section 17. We cannot be deprived due process of law. Now, here's the thing. Easiest example, it's a civil case, okay? In a civil case, if it was just me versus, you know, John Doe, and the two of us are battling property owners and we're, we're legally duking it out for some sort of property rights, um, that would be, it, that's the most easy concept to think about. Why would the court rules apply? Well, let's say my neighbor, John Doe, you know, is, is suing me and then um, I file a motion to dismiss and I have all these allegations in there. He would have to um, respond to each of those so we can narrow down the issues so we know what he's agreeing to and what he's not agreeing to. I, likewise, in my answer to his complaint, I would have to admit or deny all of the allegations so the court, so everyone can know we're all on the same page about what the issues are. What are we agreeing about? Because if I don't know what the issues are, I'm a party and I have no idea if they agree to certain things or not, I can't possibly put together a good defense. And I've been in that in that situation many times. In fact, in my Allegan County case, which was a criminal case, I filed a motion to dismiss. They did not file a response denying my allegations. So therefore, the court rule says that they are deemed to have admitted every single thing that I said. So therefore, the case needed to be dismissed because the law was on my side, the facts were on my side. Um, and it's important to think about it in that context that we can't have stuff floating out there where it's so nebulous, There's anything goes, there's no procedures because then no one has due process. If you don't know what procedures are gonna be required of you, how do you know what methods the judge is supposed to use in order to decide a case? You won't know, but this, the court rules are clear. You have to admit or deny. And if you're going to deny, you have to state the reasons why you're denying other than they're just wrong. No, you have to give substance to it. And otherwise it's deemed that you are admitting it. It's part of the whole concept of due process. Um, so at any rate, and think about it this way, we don't wanna say, now the government doesn't have the rights of you know due process. That's not what I'm saying. The government has no rights, but there is uh, common sense to the thought that um, even in a, a criminal case or better yet, like my current case, it's a civil case that the, the city is trying to claim I'm violating their ordinances. Even in a case like this, it makes sense that in the event a city is actually pursuing or a government entity is actually pursuing something that it is their legitimate duty to do, um, let's say, you know, I was causing harm to other, you know, pieces of property by what I was doing. I was putting my fence up without a permit, without a survey, didn't know where the lines were, didn't realize where the property stakes were. And I'm putting stuff on other people's properties. Um, you know, if they're trying to stop me from encroaching on other people's properties or to train, to change the drainage so that, you know, 
Um, I'm now going to divert all rain rainwater and hurricane water and everything like that over to my neighbor's properties and and cause huge flooding issues for them something like that if i was going to be harming their their properties and i'm doing it in a way that's not just harming one but it's harming multiple properties that might be a good example where the city has an ordinance and they're going to step in and they're going to be the ones pursuing it to stop me from causing that harm to the neighborhood or to the greater community somehow and so in that case we don't want them to be guessing at what procedures apply. No, we want, it's in everyone's best interest that there are clear procedures and common sense rules. And this is one, let's be honest, it's a common sense rule. If there's a motion before the court, if there's numbered paragraphs, my instinct without seeing a court rule telling me I have to, my instinct before I ever went to law school would be to say, well, I agree with this part, but I don't agree with this. And here's why I agree. It's just part of dialogue. It's about of developing that conversation to, to see where you're on the same page with people and where you're not. So it makes sense. Um, what qualifies under. Okay, now you're asking me. Okay, that's the okay. So this is a question from Michigan Court Rules 2.111e, the failure of the effect to deny. Um, I'm not sure what you what the question was. What what constitutes or what qualifies um, under that court rule? I don't really understand what the question is, but it's something that you need to raise. So, for example, when the city had their craptastic response, these four pages here. Um, right here, where they didn't have numbered paragraphs, they didn't deny anything that I said, I laid it out point blank, all, you know, not even all the laws, um, the, the, the most important laws, uh, constitutional provisions, whatever, that they broke, uh, that they're violating. I laid out all the facts. I talked about how they trespassed on my property, how it was a criminal conspiracy to um, try to plan to come back out to take my property, it, it, all of that, right? Um, what I had to do was file a response to that saying, court, hey, by the way, the court rules are this, this, and this. They're not allowed to do this. They were required to actually respond to my motion, meaning respond to the things that I brought up. They failed to do that. And so therefore, I'm asking you to throw out everything that they're asking you to do and everything you're, they're asking you to consider. And instead, I'm asking you to grant my motion because obviously they are deemed to agree with the law and the facts as I have presented them. And so therefore you should just sign my proposed motion that I gave to you. That's the effect of it. That's what it looks like. And that's what I asked. For those of you who wanna see what that would look like, um, on Friday, I actually shared my freedom, one of the freedom fighting tools I shared was that response that I filed with the courts last week. So you can take a look at how that plays out. In fact, um, I want to say our, our Wednesday waiting involved challenge this week is for you to look at that motion that I filed, but I specifically highlighted or not the motion, my, re my reply. And I, I highlighted the areas where I'm talking about this very court rule uh, and how their response basically needs to be kicked to the curb because it didn't respond properly at all. So um, if you want to look more at those documents in either the Allegan County case that I've mentioned with those appellate, I have all the appellate briefs, I have the original motion to dismiss everything, you could check that out. Um, that is that's this one here. 
um, if you go to Allegan County Election Day case, um, you can go to the, the resources tab of my website and you'll see it there. But when you see this slideshow on Thursday, you'd be able to click that link. It'll take you straight there as well. Um, if you're looking for any of the documents that I've been fi filing in the Ormond Beach case that I have currently, that is restorefreedomkh.com slash OB case. Um, but again, you can access all that through our website, restorefreedomkh.com. Go to the resources tab, case documents. It's all there. Um, if any of you are still interested in being able to help me fund this fight uh, and save our house, please uh, go to givesendgo.com slash savehenryhome. Any dollar amount can help. We already have thousands of dollars that we've had to pay out of pocket to get the court filing fees for the appeal, to get the transcripts, you name it. Um, and the fees are going to keep adding. So I need your help. All the work that I do here is to educate people on the law, on the constitution, on the proper restrictions of government and the proper exercise of our freedom and asserting your rights. And I do all that for free. So obviously uh, I need your help when my own freedom, my own property is in jeopardy. So please do consider that. Um, if you're interested in helping me be able to fund a civil suit against the Allegan County deputies that physically assaulted me, the prosecutors, the five prosecutors that were involved in that case who violated my rights and continue to do so to uh, endless other people in Allegan County and beyond, to the two trial court judges, the two civil court judges that, uh, excuse me, circuit court judges that, um, you know, improperly denied my appeals, et cetera. Um, then please consider donating to that. You can do that right on our website as well or through our PayPal or Square stuff. Um, so please check out those options because in order for me, it took me almost $6,000 to uh, finally get my case dismissed. To get the criminal, the fraudulent criminal case against me dismissed, it took me almost two years and almost $6,000. And I did receive donations throughout the years on that, but comes nowhere close to the $6,000 I had to pay out of pocket. And for me to file a civil case against them is going to be a whole new set of costs, thousands of dollars, not even to pay another attorney. That's just in court costs and in transcripts and records, whatever I need to get. That is literally the out-of-pocket costs I will have to sue them. And if I don't sue them, if I don't make a case and make waves and sue them in federal court to say that no judge can do this, no prosecutor can do this, no law enforcement official can do this to someone ever again, that they have no right to deny our constitutionally protected, God-given liberties. If I don't take that stand, who really is going to do that? We need to make that case precedent. We need to make the national media and put them in their place and let all government officials nationwide know that there will be repercussions if they violate your rights. That is why I need to pursue that case. That is why I need your help in funding it to get going because uh, I have student loan debt, I have bills to pay, I pay for all this stuff out of pocket to bring these resources to you every single week. We don't even get enough donations right now in to cover all of that. So. Please, guys, if you're willing to help in the fight at all, please consider, and you can even have it go to whatever specific project or endeavor or newsletter or the show or um, those two civil cases I talked about. You can, Whatever you want it to go to, you can directory you want it to go to as well, but we need your help. So 
Uh, with that being said, if you want more information, you're going to want to check out our Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge this week. It's going to be great. Also, come back on Thursday for that Constitution segment, 10-minute 10, 10 Constitution segment recap video, uh, as well as the slideshow. You'll have access to it then. Uh, Friday, we'll have our three or more freedom fighting tools on Friday, as we always do. There's a Restore Freedom goodie of the week that's shared with you every Saturday, and our newsletter typically starts coming out on Sunday, but our program, uh, at least for the, the dollar amount that we can afford out of our own pockets, uh, it takes a very long time to spool it. So I might send it on Sunday and it doesn't actually come out till Monday or reach your inbox till Monday. But anyway, that comes out Sundays. So uh, with all that being said, I thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm going to surprise the crap out of Lori. Hey, Lori, I threw you back in there. Didn't know, uh, didn't, don't know if you knew that I was going to do that to you, but I just did. Haha. <laughs> so <laughs> thing, um, comments, questions, concerns that I didn't handle yet that I needed to. Um, I don't know that specifically you need to. It looks like Derek D needs to get to know you. But uh, he's even talking. If it's a he, I think it's a he. <laughs> I just subscribed to his channel. Um, he's talking about having you on. So I told him to reach out to us and. Yes. And get to know each other. Um, so, and somebody directly at one point uh, said, YouTuber, ouch. Um, I didn't mean that as an insult. Uh, I was just following up on what I thought Amanda's description of you was, that you're someone that fights for freedom via the YouTube platform and, you know, do the First Amendment auditing, that kind of thing. I thought that's what she was saying. So if I got that wrong, uh, sorry about that. Um, and um, uh, there's a lot of going back and forth, so it might be hard to follow. Okay, so um, I'm just trying to figure out what this is. The H looks a lot like the K, I thought, for your Catherine Henry. Okay, oh, the K, the cursive there, yeah. My initial yeah. font is no longer available, and I'm not paying for font so. Um, at any rate, um, it's the differences in approach. Okay. So yeah, there's, wow. Uh, there is <laughs> my good buddy, um, the Liberty cause here from Volusia County. Catherine Henry is a Viking warrior. So I appreciate that. Um, but, uh, anyway, it was a pleasure to have Amanda on and, um, again, if, even if you're someone that hates the constitution, uh, if you're not a freedom fighter, you're just a, a big liberal and you love big government and people telling you what to do and killing babies and, you know, all, all kinds of good stuff like that. If that's your thing and you want to have me on your show or your channel or whatever, so we can have a, a discourse about that. We can have a back and forth. We can have a debate. I mean, shoot, I've been, I've debated, um, you know, the biggest liberal attorneys, uh, in, you know, on Fox 2 Detroit in front of millions of people. Certainly, I'd have no problem debating any of these hot topic freedom fighting issues uh, with, with you as well. If you're someone who is on the same general side of freedom, you love the Constitution, you love freedom fighting, you, you want to educate people on what's really going on. And perhaps we have a difference of opinion on how to go about doing that. Uh, still, there could be some room for debate on certain topics or certain issues 
uh, or discussion, you know, points of agreement, points of disagreement all together. At any rate, I'm all for any of that. Please reach out to us. Lori uh, is awesome about uh, following through on, on those connections and uh, getting stuff scheduled. So at any rate, um, the Constitution wasn't written for us. Now, Lori, why would you go throw something like that on when I'm trying to wrap up the show? Because that is definitely not the uh, quick response. <laughs> I'm not even sure what well, the quick response is before he goes any further with, with that. Maybe he needs to check you out a little bit more because <laughs> you've answered that numerous times. Um, I think yeah. a lot of people are mis misunderstand who wrote it. And if you read the preamble, it's pretty clear. Yes. So I don't know what you mean by that. Um, at this late time, I don't want to start on a whole big thing, but if that's a topic you want to start with and do a whole show about that on your channel or mine, let me know. I'd be more than happy to, um, because it's all about getting the truth out there and stretching each other's thoughts. And even when I've been on For the Republic with Alan Myers on, on his, uh, his network, and he's had um, Doug, what's his name? What's his last name? Doug. Uh, Doug. Gibbs. Doug Gibbs uh, on, and we've had some back and forth, uh, you know, we don't always agree on everything. Uh, it does make for good conversation and to make us both think a little bit more um, about our positions. So um, at any rate, it looks like, um, what is it, direct, direct D? I forget what the name is. Anyway, it looks like you were saying it was some sort of inside joke and um, <clears throat> that's fine. I was, uh, Lori, Lori is the one that threw that up there. So when she does that, I find that. <laughs> I try to go, okay, I'll respond. Uh, it was important enough that she wanted to throw it on the screen. So um, yes, there are page limits in uh, uh, for your replies. Uh, the Stairs at Plants mentions that about the Michigan court rules. Uh, there typically is, so not only are you narrowed down to the topics that you can bring up, you can't bring up any new topics beyond what their response covered, but you're very limited in the number of pages in which <clears throat> you can bring all that up. So anyway, um, <clears throat> Yes. So, um, yes. Well, all right. I think I've covered everything now. There was a lot of conversation, especially on YouTube, but we even had some LinkedIn and Facebook and some other, uh, some other stuff today. So at any rate, um, thank you all for joining us. It's been a great show. Hopefully it's been informative. Hey, shoot a little entertainment. Cause you know, you learn better when you're at least slightly entertained, right. And you're stretching your brain in all those different directions. So I appreciate you all being on and supporting any of the work that we do. Do make sure to hit that like button, that subscribe button, sign up for notifications, especially on our YouTube channel. So, you know, when we're going to go live and uh, we'd love to have you um, continue on in the freedom fight in whatever way uh, with us that you would like to do. So, um, Thanks. Um, hey, this is a public service. One of my favorite people. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to throw this on since I'm reading it to myself anyway. Um, this is a public service, uh, also known as Foshin, says Direct D is doing vital work out in the wasteland. And Catherine is freaking awesome here, too. Uh, so uh, anyway, thank you so much for that compliment. And yes, um, I don't know who Direct D is or what they're doing. I look forward to, especially since it looks like at least some of my uh, my new friends here uh, in the Freedom Fight in Florida do know who this Direct D person is. I would look forward to meeting him or her in person and uh, and figuring out maybe how we can all work together. So 
at any rate, um, thanks so much, everybody, for joining us today. And we look forward to having you join us next week. Oh, I totally almost forgot. Oh, I was going to do this at the very beginning. And I don't have very many people um, probably on board anymore. If you uh, know of anybody in Michigan who has a uh, car, truck, van, whatever, that is, um, it, it doesn't have to be pretty at all. It just has to function and go from point A to point B. I have one of my very best friends uh, in Belding, Ionia County, Michigan, not too far in between Grand Rapids and Lansing. She's going through um, she's going through cancer treatments and she has terminal cancer. In fact, her original diagnosis from December is that she had two months to live and she's still with us. But her car broke down and she has no way to get back to treatments starting again on Monday. Uh, if you have any way if you have a beater car that runs like, you know, it's awesome, but maybe it's not pretty, uh, whether it's a loan or a gift, and you are willing to allow her to use that so she can make it back and forth to her cancer treatments, uh, please, please let us know. Um, Lori had no idea that I was going to say that. So I'm going to just say for ease, since we've already thrown out the other email, let's keep it simple. If you have any uh, any lead on that at all, we might not see any future chat in a timely fashion here. So please reach out to us at contact at restorefreedomkh.com. Please let us know if you have a way to get a vehicle to my dear friend, Deb, who's uh, going through those cancer treatments in Ionia County, Michigan. Um, actually, she's in Ionia County, but I believe she's doing the treatments in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is Kent County. Um, but at any rate, if you have any way to loan or give a vehicle to her so she can continue to do that um, while she's trying to wrap up affairs and, and get things uh, taken care of for her loved ones, uh, she's the person who's always there for everybody else. She's the person that when your house burns down, she finds, helps you find a place to live. She's providing you with food and clothing and necessities. And if it's right before Christmas, she's the one somehow scrounging out of her own pocket ways to get you gifts for your kids or, you know, you know, make sure your dog has food and water and th whatever it is. She's the one that would give you the shirt off of her back. That's the kind of person she is. She's always been that way. And now, unfortunately, um, there's just not enough people stepping up to take care of her. And I'm way too far away. And trust me, I've tried to get her down here. Um, in fact, if you want to pray, if you don't have any way to help her physically, please pray for her. Please pray for her healing. Please pray uh, that her physical needs can be met. She's also got some other things that are... Um, impacting her ability to effectively go through the treatments. Um, pray that uh, I can convince her to, to let me take her down here to Florida when I'm up in Michigan. Uh, that would be amazing. Um, she hasn't been able to fly um, because it's, well, lung cancer does a lot of things and then breathing air on planes gets complicated when you can't breathe in general. So at any rate, um, while I'm at it, I would ask that you pray for my stepmom, who is also recently diagnosed with cancer. <sighs> my aunt, who is um, dying of cancer down here in Florida. I have another aunt uh, who's battling cancer and, and doing much better, though, um, in uh, Michigan. And my grandma has two different forms of cancer that she is um, battling right now as well. And she's in Michigan. If you could add all of them to your prayers as well as 
Um, my brother-in-law, who recently lost his longtime fiance, so I call her my sister-in-law. She was only a few years older than me, and she died unexpectedly, um, just less than two months ago now. And uh, anyway, if you could keep all of them in your prayers, I would greatly appreciate it because uh, there's just so much evil and nasty and sickness and bad stuff going on uh, for everyone. And I'm sure there's a million other things I should have asked you to pray for that I should have passed along either in my own life or Lori's. And there's just so much that I, my mind is too overwhelmed these days. But uh, thank you to those of you responding that you're going to be praying. And um, I look... Uh, I, what, him, her, sorry, um, Direct D was, I guess, responding to what I said, him, her, it, shit, it's all the same now, I guess. No, it's not. There's two genders. There's man and there's woman, and you got to pick the one that God gave you and go with it. And so whatever one you are uh, is, is, is you, and that's fine, but I can't see from my screen uh, who you are, what you look like, if you're a man or a woman or alien. So at any rate, um, <laughs> all right, with that being said, I'm going to sign off. So thank you so much, everyone. Have a blessed and wonderful day.